Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. to book cheat how we feel in manchester yeah this is the book club podcast where i've read the books that you don't have to my name is dave warnicky and on each episode of this show we look at one of the classics and joining me to look at such a classic this week would you please put your hands together and welcome to the stage my special guests it's matt stewart and ellison june smith yeah Hello, Alison. Hello, Matt. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Hiya. Y'all right? Yeah, I'm great. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Alison, we were told you're a, a local from Manchester. Your accent is confusing me a little <laughs> yeah, bit. Yeah, it is. This is hello, everyone. Don't I'm, I'm Canadian, um, but I've been living here nine years, so I'm Mancadian. Everyone is what I am now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, great to have you here on, on this uh, book podcast. Are you, are you much of a, a reader? You told me before that you used to be a teacher. I did used to be a teacher, okay, so... so. That, that feels like you read a bit? <laughs> I did a good job of creating the illusion, yes. everyone, of being a big reader. That's um, what this whole podcast is about, so that's good. Isn't that the key? you just got to be one chapter ahead of the class. 100%. Right? You're like, what are we doing? All right, I'll read this much, and then uh, there we go. Yeah, it's, uh, it's faking it. Do we have teachers in the audience? I'm wondering... Yeah, you know then. Yeah, you know. Yeah, great. <laughs> You've never read anything in your life. Ah! <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much for being here. Matt, have you been reading anything on, the, on this trip? Uh, yeah, I was reading a guide to Manchurian uh, slang before. Oh. Well, they throw themselves as Manchurians. <laughs> okay. That must be slang I haven't heard before. <laughs> Mancurian. Mancunian. And Mancunian as well. <laughs> I, re- I read all three. A bit of a, a, a trilogy. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Beautiful. Did you know uh, Mancurian means hills that look like boobs? That's what this city's named after. Do you know that? <laughs> really? Yeah. Tits. Tits. Is, it, is that true? Tit, Do you tits know town. this? I'm oh, here to Everyone's educate. learning this now. We're like, look at that. You're <laughs> shaking your head. Hey, uh, oh, no, that was another saying. What was it? Shake your head, you naughty or something? <laughs> is that something? Shake your head, you naughty. Uh, no, give your... Add a wobble. And that means? Uh, have a yes. think about eyes it, Eyes up. Yeah. Wise up. Wise up. I thought you were going to say eyes up. I'm like, what are, what are they looking at? <laughs> my eyes are up here. Give your head a wobble, sir. Stop looking at my Mancurians. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Mancunians. Fucking hell. You're doing good. It's hard. The English language is difficult, is. but beautiful. So beautiful. Now, on this uh, little tour that Matt and I have been doing around the UK, I've, for the Book Cheat podcast, I've been trying to pick a book uh, that's written by an author from, from this place. So for Manchester, I've gone with Francis Hodgson Burnett's The Secret Garden. Ooh. It's never had that reaction before. <laughs> hey, are either of you familiar with The Secret Garden? Vaguely familiar with the okay. secret I think you said very. Yeah. I was like, uh-oh. No, 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 no. I genuinely, no. I've never read a book. Matt, was it, I feel like is it, if it was made into a film, I reckon I saw part of the film. Great. It's been made into many films. Have you seen many parts of those films? Yeah, maybe. It's like uh, olden days and there's a sick girl in the garden. Look, he's like 50% correct there. Hey! <laughs> in that there is a garden. <laughs> <laughs> I know I Bruce Springsteen wrote a song about it, though, didn't he? Oh yeah, he's got a, There's a song called. He's got a song called "Secret Garden," from uh, Jerry Maguire. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that, so I appreciate appreciate that. Uh, give me a round of applause if you've uh, if you've know the Secret Garden. Do you know this one? Few, a little bit. 
Okay. We got any fans in? <laughs> that was so That's good. So funny. That was a zero hit rate. Wow. Okay. Uh, so people suggest I do these books, uh, Alison. This one has been suggested by uh, Alec McElroy from Lawrence in Kansas, the United States. Are you in tonight? <laughs> no? And the other one This is... isn't Kansas anymore. <laughs> so, or yeah. What? Yeah. Yes. yeah. Honestly, that was good. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> <laughs> And the, uh, thing, the thing is, Matt and I have been doing a lot of like, uh, what we call uh, English accent work, uh, just, just around the uh, Airbnb. And then we find ourselves just saying it on the street, not realising that other English people can now hear us. And it's probably really, really dodgy. No, I think they just assume we're a couple of local lads. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah honestly. Uh, so that, that's Alec McElroy. And the other person who suggested this is uh, Anastasia Sabachik in Jersey City in New Jersey. Again, not in tonight, okay. Uh, so people tell me why I should do this book and Anastasia wrote, it's my favourite classic and I have a tattoo from one of the quotes in the book. She doesn't say which one. I'll be reading out a few tonight. You can tell me which one you think it, it, it could be. So, The Secret Garden is a novel by Frances Hodgson Burnett, first serialised in the American magazine in November 1910. Frances Hodgson Burnett was born on the 24th of November, November 1849 in, am I saying this right? Cheatham. Cheatham in Manchester. <laughs> no, no Cheatham's in tonight. Okay. Her other books include Little Lord Fantleroy, which is <laughs> so good. That's the name of a, a donkey uh, who won a, a long uh, horse race in America in the 70s. <laughs> it, on, it does sound like you are just making up everything you say. <laughs> <laughs> A donkey won a horse race? Why is that? Yeah, it was like a cross-country horse race. And I think maybe it came second, but his name was... I never knew the reference, but its name was Little Lord Fantleroy. Oh, there you go. That's another one of her famous books, as well as A Little Princess. But her most enduring work is The Secret Garden. A Little Princess. That was a greyhound. <laughs> that, uh... <laughs> <laughs> now, the novel is now seen as a classic of English children's literature because... But because it was originally published in a magazine for adults, when it came out, it was actually marketed as adult fiction. It was uh, warmly received. It became a bestseller. Critics liked it, even though it was uh, clearly for kids. Uh, but when Burnett died in 1924, none of her obituaries even mentioned The Secret Garden, but everyone spoke about Lord or Little Lord Fantleroy. Maybe they were talking about the donkey. I don't know. I don't know. Still, it had a steady cult following amongst her readers, and by the 60s, it was ranked by the New York Times as one of the great children's novels, and since then, its popularity has only continued to grow. been adapted into many films, first in 1919, and most recently in 2020. I had written here, give me a round of applause if you've read The Secret Garden, but I don't know if that's going to work. Anyone has, has anyone actually read it? Okay, a few. Okay, but no one liked it. Okay, fair enough. Okay. <laughs> Now, I always start with the opening line to give you a bit of uh, the writer's words themselves. So. We should really test Alison here as a teacher. What's the opening line? You'll know this from memory. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, the... I be it began with that. It begins with the... The... When? I was off. Sorry, everyone. I was off with that. Yeah, honestly, that was worth a punt. That was worth <laughs> it. All right. When Mary Lennox was sent to Misselthwaite Manor, to live with her uncle, everybody said she was the most disagreeable-looking child ever seen. That's the sick girl I was thinking <laughs> yeah. of, yeah. It was true, too. She had a little thin face and a little thin body, thin light hair and a sour expression. Her hair was yellow and her face was yellow because she had been born in India and had always been ill in one way or another. Thank you. <laughs> hey? So there's a garden and a sick girl. Yeah. So that's 75% right, yeah? yeah? And we're off. We've just met our main character there, Mary Lennox. Now, the novel actually opens in India where nine-year-old Mary lives with her English parents. Her father is a captain in the army and he's always busy with his government work. And her mother is a beautiful party animal who keeps her daughter a secret from her fashionable friends and doesn't really want anything to do with Mary. Oh. She's like, I don't have a child. What are you talking about? <laughs> So she doesn't want anything to do with it. In fact, no one does. She's neglected and because of this is incredibly self-absorbed. She's looked after by a series of Indian nannies who she treats horribly. 
Uh, they refer to as uh, ayahs in the books. That's what this is. This is a quote. It was not the cost. It was not the custom to say please and thank you. And Mary had always slapped her ayah in the face when she was angry. So she is a nightmare. <laughs> Absolute. In fact, she's literature's second biggest little shit. I would say. <laughs> a record only eclipsed by another character later on in this very book. <laughs> so top two. Top two. But it's hard not to feel sorry for Mary because she is a product of her treatment and a lack of nurturing. This is another description of her. When she was a sickly, fretful, ugly little baby, <laughs> she was kept out of the way. And Real she... minger. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. And when she became a sickly, fretful, toddling thing, she was kept out of the way also. By the time she was six years old, she was as tyrannical and selfish a little pig has ever lived. <laughs> a little pig! This is on page one. Oh my... So the narrator is obsessed with telling us about how ugly this little girl is. She loves no one and no one loves her in turn, but mostly it's about how bad she looks. <laughs> it's brutal. It really, really is. And things only get worse for this poor little girl when she finds herself all alone at the compound she lives in. You see an outbreak of super deadly cholera has hit the village in India and we hear that Mary's mother was told that the family should leave. But she chose to ignore the warnings and stay on so she could go to a party. And now everyone is dying, including herself and her husband. Along with a lot of other people... It must have been a fucking good party though, right? You want it to be. Everyone's dead, including a lot of other people, and anyone who hasn't yet caught the super deadly and contagious infection has fled, leaving Mary all alone. She was simply forgotten. So she wanders around the compound and drinks a glass of wine. She's six years old. <laughs> before passing out and sleeping for ages. How old were you when you first had your first glass of wine? I mean, on my first glass of wine, I mean, I think my dad gave me sips of beer. I've probably been about 10 or 11. Okay. Not, yeah. But six. She's gone a full glass. That's, yeah. They also didn't abandon me in a compound, though, so okay. I, don't, I don't, there's no comparison. Any cholera yeah. affecting your childhood? or Not that I remember, yeah, okay. uh, right? But, you know, might have taken it out of me, right? Cholera is a hell of a, hell of a disease. All right. Uh, <laughs> well, she's eventually discovered the next day by some English soldiers and sent to uh, temporarily live with an English family called the Crawfords. She's very rude to the other children of the family who don't like her and call her Mistress, Mistress Mary quite contra contrary fuck which is a, that's a wow, hell of a lot like, better than pig and <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that's right but she's, yeah. she finds that worse than p people saying does she you're a little picky at least it sounds did pretty you, I don't did you they were calling was this you or they were calling Miss Mary quite contrary fuck <laughs> yeah, yeah or was that that's a bit of my artistic license oh, okay, there sorry. you know I'm sort of punching it up a hundred years later it doesn't have quite the <laughs> the, the bite that it did back then <laughs> Her contemporary garden, Mrs. Crawford, uh, says this. She is such a plain child. And her mother was such a pretty creature. She had a very pretty manner too. And Mary has the most unattractive ways I've ever seen in a child. The children call her Mistress Mary quite contrary fuck. <laughs> and though it's naughty of them, one can't help understanding it. Perhaps if her mother had carried her pretty face and her pretty manners oftener into the nursery, Mary might have learned some pretty ways too. Wow. That's how easy it is to be hot. Just have a hot person come by. And that's why I spent a lot of time with Matt Stewart. <laughs> it's really rubbing off on me. Yeah, we've spent a lot of time together and I'm starting to really rub off on Dave. <laughs> <laughs> it's lonely on the road. <laughs> <laughs> Well, he's looking prettier and prettier every day, so, you know, yeah. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. <laughs> so eventually, Mary is sent to live with her long-lost uncle, Archibald Craven, who resides in a massive mansion called Misselthwaite Manor in Yorkshire. Anyone from Yorkshire in tonight? <laughs> <laughs> he hesitantly look at... I... No. <laughs> I... Uh, sorry. You put I, a hand down and then there was a noise over here like this. <laughs> <laughs> was that someone from Yorkshire or someone terrified that there might be people from Yorkshire in here tonight? <laughs> oh, no. Lock the door. 
So they're in, they're in Yorkshire. Uh, her uncle, Archibald Craven, is her mother's brother and, like Mary's mother, doesn't really want anything to do with her. Hey, this girl's just really hitting jackpots <laughs> yeah. left, right and centre. She's got a very supportive family, absolutely. Oh. In fact, he doesn't even meet her when she arrives. He's nearly always away travelling in Europe and is rarely seen around the manor. Apparently, Misselthwaite Manor has over 100 rooms, so it's massive, most of which are locked shut, much like their owner, Archibald Craven's cold, cold heart. <laughs> you see, ten years ago, his wife, who was the love of his life, who was said to have been way hotter than him when he died. Remember this author? <laughs> always comparing people. Uh, she died, and since then, he's been a recluse. He's also described as having a crooked back, and this leads to people saying stuff about him like he's an angry old hunchback and things like that. That's his reputation around the moor. <laughs> Okay. Well, at least she's with someone who's disfigured. Like, that's a step up for her, right? This will be nice. She's like, oh, he's repulsive as well. Like, maybe we, we, we are family, you know? That maybe. is nice. Right? Yeah. Dave, you really should find someone a little more repulsive. <laughs> I like to surround myself exclusively with hot people. We've established that. Well, that's the problem with this room we're in tonight. It's all no. hotties having a look yeah. out there. Yeah. Freaking so, uh, hell. There's not a minger in sight. These yeah. people are... Wow. Obviously, apart from... (laughs) (laughs) Don't listen to him. We're dead chuffed you're here. Yeah, that's right. Uh, For the people at home, Matt pointed to someone in the front row whose uh, haircut was done with a knife and a fork. (laughs) (laughs) Jack was so sorry. Um, Jack is, uh, is... You come to every single one of these shows... He's, he's hired a van and is driving around. You own the van. I thought you hired the van. Oh, well, that's less impressive then, honestly. <laughs> this is why they're taking the piss out of you, because they know you. Yeah, oh, we know. I thought we were being mean no. to a random. Okay, this is, you're like <laughs> yeah, that's family. Right. Yeah, hey. rip him to shreds. He's fine. <laughs> this is an honour for him. We ruin his life at every show. <laughs> so, her uncle... Archibald is ignoring her. He's got this reputation for being an angry old man. Mary is told by uh, a lady called Mrs. Medlock, who's the head servant at Misselthwaite, that she's only allowed to stay in her room and warns her not to go wandering around the hundred rooms of the manor. Mary is placed under the care of a maid named Martha Sowerby. (laughs) Sounds very welcoming. Yeah. Yeah. Well, she's actually a lovely and good-natured Yorkshire woman who comes from a family of 12. Do they know what's causing it? (laughs) And uh, is super surprised when Mary can't dress or do anything for herself. It seems back in India the servants did all her work for her. But Martha won't stand any of this and and unlike Mary's servants in India, speaks to her as if they're equals and encourages Mary to do jobs for herself. I like that that's sort of meant to be a... A step up. They're talking to her like she's an equal, but she's talking to a child still. She should be talking down to her. Yeah, and yeah. she's ugly. Yeah. <laughs> if you're not talking down to them, who are you talking down to? <laughs> an ugly child. <laughs> as an equal. <laughs> Fucking hell. She also introduces Mary to two concepts that intrigue the young girl and for the first time make her interested and actually care about something. Before this, she doesn't care about anything. She never cared about anything in her life. But these are the things that get her imagination. The first thing she mentions that captures Mary's imagination, imagination is um, Martha's younger brother named Dickon. <laughs> which is a funny name. <laughs> which is funny. Dickon has what sounds like an almost magical way with animals and spends all his time out on the moor amongst nature and he even has a pet pony. This fascinates Mary who'd like to meet Dickon. I mean, we all need a good Dickon in our life, am I right? We all need one. So that's the first thing. That really, you know, she's like, oh, this kid, I'd like to meet this kid. She'd never wanted to meet anyone in her life. The other thing that really gets Mary's attention is... um, uh, when her maid mentions that amongst the sprawling gardens of the manor, one of them is locked up behind tall walls and no one has been allowed inside for over ten years. It was once her uncle Archibald Craven's wife's garden and after her death, Master Craven locked the door and buried the key. When Mary goes out in the garden, she instantly starts looking for the door to this secret Garden. Oh. Title of the book. <laughs> Title of the book there. 
Now, I, I feel like I hopefully I'm bringing this book to life a little mm-hmm. bit here, but I feel like it, it's got quite a few characters in it um, that so far they haven't shone, and quite a few of them have Yorkshire accents. And whilst reading it, I like thinking, I like you know hearing what it would really sound like, and I'd appreciate if, if you two could possibly bring the story to life <laughs> for me here today. So I thought maybe we could try and. Bring it to life with a little play, if you will. I wondered if you'd, you'd indulge me, Alison. I think you've got what it takes uh, to play our main, main star, Mary. Oh, I'm ugly enough? No. That is, <laughs> yes. That is, as soon as I said that, I'm like, oh dear, this is not am good. I, am I ugly enough? That's not what I meant. That's not what I meant. And Matt, you were famous for your accent work. So I was thinking you could play her maid, Martha Sowerby from Yorkshire. Okay. Her maid. Her maid. And I'll, I'll read some stage directions. I believe I sent you a script before the show, Matt. And uh, I'll hand this... We're r- on... Just on Messenger. Okay. So she, we don't... Her accent could be all over the place, right? She's, yeah, she's yeah, an English... Great. You're an English child born in India. <laughs> I'm sorry right now. Where was the... <laughs> I'm sorry, everyone. The York, where was the Yorkshireian... Over here? Yorkshireian! Up the, can you give, give us a little, give us a, a sentence or two to get me going? That's a good there start. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> See. Like, like what? Hello, I'm from Yorkshire. That's good! Okay. Well done! <laughs> Excellent! Okay. Alright, now I'm going to have to do that line by line. <laughs> <laughs> So I'll, I'll read some stage directions. Uh, Alison's Mary, and then uh, Matt is, is Martha. Let's, uh, let's take it away. Let's see if we can bring to life the secret garden. <coughs> <laughs> look! Look at the moor! The rainstorm had ended, and the grey mist and clouds had been swept away in the night by the wind. Aye, the storm's over the four a bit. <laughs> It does like this at the time of the year. <laughs> it goes off on a night like it was pretending it had never burned hair on. Oh, this is Kiwi. <laughs> Another month to come again. That's because the springtime's on its way. It's a long way off yet, but it's coming. I'm going to need another level here. <laughs> uh, okay, i got to be unlikable. I thought perhaps it was rained or looked dark in England. That's awful. I'm sorry again. No, I, that I, is you, awful. Are, you're, you are nailing this. Thanks. Eh, no. Now to the salt. <laughs> what does that mean? I've talked broad Yorkshire again like Mrs. Medlock. Said I mustn't. Now to the sort means nothing of the sort. Should have been able to figure that out. (laughs) But it takes so long to say it. Fuck. (laughs) So it doesn't always rain? Yorkshire's the sunniest place on earth. (laughs) On earth? Liar! Liar! (laughs) When it's sunny. I told thee they'd... Like the more after a bit. Now, hang on. Just, just you wait till you see the gold-coloured gorse blossoms and the blossoms o' the broom. Now, this is—I think I'm doing a weird Australian accent. <laughs> You've really taken this outback, absolutely. Oh, I can do outback. Just you wait. <laughs> Just you wait till you see the gold-coloured gorse blossoms and the, and the heather flowering, all purple bells and hundreds of butterflies fluttering and bees humming and skylarks soaring up and singing. End scene. <laughs> Amazing. Incredible. I don't think I got a single syllable right there. <laughs> Let's check in with our friend from Yorkshire. What do you, how do you rate that out of five? <laughs> you are speechless. speechless. It was so good. You're speechless. I'm so sorry. Okay. Oh, there you go. The New Zealand of England. They don't really say that. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> they don't say that. Oh, 
Damn it, I was hoping. <laughs> now to the source. Now to the source. I feel, for me at least, that's really brought it to life. You know, I was reading this, wondering what do, what do these accents sound like, and now I now I know. So thank you. So she's out and about in the garden. She's got really nothing to do, so she just wanders all day long. And uh, she's out and about. She meets Ben Weatherstaff, one of the manor's gardeners, another heavily accented Yorkshire man. At first, he is pretty short and harsh to Mary, but oh, well, she sees that he can be a softer, kinder man when she sees the way he interacts with the local bird which is a robin redbreast who hangs around the garden a lot. In England, bird means woman. <laughs> yeah. Hanging around with a local bird. <laughs> <laughs> and this one has a red breast. Yeah. A red Manchester, if you will. <laughs> uh, ben Weatherstaff plays dumb when she asks him about the secret garden and where the door is. He's like, I don't know what you're talking about. But she contends there must be a door somewhere because her uncle locked it up ten years ago. Mary continues to talk to this gardener, Ben Weatherstaff, who usually has a bit of time for the child before deciding to get back to work. And then he's like, piss off, kid. And she also spends more time with the robin bird who she decides is her new best friend. Oh, far out. (laughs) She's never had any friends before and in her mind she adds Ben Weatherstaff, the gardener, to the list. She also thinks of Martha, her maid, as a, as a friend. And that twig over there. <laughs> <laughs> she really, she, she clutches at straws. She also adds uh, Martha's mother, Susan, and her younger brother, Dickon, two people she's never even met to her list. That's like her MySpace top six right there. <laughs> she hasn't met them yet, but she's learning to love and let people in. A bit of personal growth here. Aww. She's also getting way healthier by walking around the mall all day and begins to eat properly for the first time in her life. And of course, the narrator tells us she's looking slightly less ugly as well. (laughs) That's the real growth. It's like the voice in my head. Uh, (laughs) Today's an all right day. (laughs) She becomes more and more intrigued with finding the garden and her nurse, Martha, increases her interest when she tells her the backstory to this mysterious garden. You see... It had been a place where Mr. Craven and his wife had spent many happy hours. Mrs. Craven used to sit in a rose-covered branch at the top of one of the garden's trees until one day the branch gave way and she fell. She soon died of her injuries and after her death, Archibald Craven could no longer bear the garden and had it locked shut forever. But the corpse of that woman is one of her friends. (laughs) (laughs) She's on the list. That's number seven. (laughs) Later that night, Mary swears she can hear in the distance the sound of a crying child. She's like, I'm going to make that cry, my friend. (laughs) So he asks Martha, a nurse, about it. Martha plays dumb and she's like, I don't know what you're talking about. There's no sound of a crying child. What are you talking about? Uh, Mary goes looking for the cry when she hears it a second time the next day but is apprehended by the head servant, the harsh Mrs. Medlock, who is furious and takes her back to her room and says, don't make me lock you in here. So... Don't, don't look for the cry. But she's intrigued. Mary notices the robin, her friend, flying over the walls into the secret garden, which piques her curiosity even more. And you're like, wow, she's getting fitter. Mary seems a bit happier. It's getting more and more positive in the book. Then we get hit with, Mary began to laugh. And as she hopped and took little flights along the wall, she ran after the bird. Poor little thin, sallow, ugly Mary. <laughs> 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 she actually looked almost pretty for a moment. <laughs> the backhanded compliment. <laughs> almost. So she's following the robin around, but this isn't just any bird, by the way. It's a smart little bird who really helps move the plot forward when she notices him digging in the yard for a worm. But when she looks at the hole, it's much deeper than she thought because one of the local dogs had been digging. Apparently he was digging out a mole... There you go. (laughs) And inside the hole, she sees something. It's a key. An old key that looks like it's been buried for some time. Perhaps ten (laughs) years. She searches and searches for a door into the garden that she thinks the key must fit in, but she can't find one until, again, uh, for the plot, a gust of wind blows some ivy (laughs) growing on the wall and Mary discovers a door into the forbidden garden. She uses the key and goes inside without anyone noticing. I'm surprised they didn't write, and with her pale, ugly, frail <laughs> yeah, fingers. A, well, they did write that, but it's just gotten too brutal. <laughs> 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 it's 
Inside the garden is wild and overgrown. Everything looks a bit brown and dead, but she sees some green shoots coming through and is excited that at least part of the garden is still alive. She spends all day pulling out the weeds in and around these new flowers. She even asks her maid Martha about getting some gardening equipment and Martha says that her little brother Dickon will be able to help her by buying some garden... It's still funny. It's still funny. <laughs> by buying some gardening tools and Mary is stoked because that means that she'll get to meet the animal whisperer himself, Dickon. I mean... Which we're all very excited about. She soon meets Dickon who gives her the garden supplies and uh, seems to be able to speak to the robin. He really is an animal whisperer. He also gives her gardening tips. Everyone in the book loves Dickon. Other characters, they, they love Dickon. They love Dickon. They can't get enough of Dickon. Other characters frequently mention him and they're always like, that lad Dickon, he's a good boy. I trust Dickon, strong as an ox, young Dickon. He's like the most popular kid on, on the moor. And like everyone else, Mary is enamoured with the boy and soon shares her secret of the garden with him. He goes with her to the garden and they start a full overhaul and spend many days weeding and planting. Are either of you gardeners? I, I dabble. Okay. I do orchids. I'm a big orchid. I have ten orchids on the go. That's, that's impressive. That's Thanks. not dabbling. That's, I like That's orchids. proper gardening. Thanks. Yeah. You know the word orchids? Yeah. <laughs> Freaking hell. Green thumb. Yeah. You know. I, yeah, that's, I don't do anything. No. No, no orchids? <laughs> no, I, no, I don't. I had a Venus flytrap as a boy. <laughs> That's an unexpected sentence. <laughs> <laughs> Occasionally I'll get a tomato plant. You know. I don't know, I don't know where you thought this question would open yeah. up to. Oh, what opportunities this has opened up for riffing. <laughs> well, we learned about your Venus flytrap as a boy. Well, I know. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm loving this story. I'll tell you that much. Loving it. Loving it. There's okay. a sick girl. Ugly sick girl. She's Don't ugly. Forget that. Ugly sick girl. Yeah. She lives on a moor and she's found a garden. Now she's about to do some gardening. <laughs> and this is the classic. Yeah. <laughs> what is a moor? Because you're saying moor a lot. It's like the hills, isn't it? It's like small kind of hilly area. Yeah. Like swampy... Not very nice. They're two very different things. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like a swamp oh, in, in, with hills, right? Pardon? Big fields, Big but field. like yeah. not much grows there, right? <laughs> and bodies are buried there. <laughs> right, yeah. Sorry, sure. I really brought it all down. Thank you for the applaud, though. Yeah, I know. I know my history. Yeah, anyway. Oh, which bodies are buried in the moors? Well, there... Anyway, we won't get into it. We won't get into it. <laughs> oh my god, really? Yeah, there is a yeah, there is a Some anyway. Local moors? Well there was a there was a there's a history of a killer and we won't get into it, but I mean that's where the bodies to, are, yeah. We have to get into it a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> you can't bring that up and not give us a little bit more info. We, we, this is this is this is the second yeah, it was it was it was rough. What about in Glasgow we unearthed another unsavory character accidentally as well, do you remember? Oh yeah. I mentioned a name and every, the whole crowd went, Ooh. <laughs> That's the same name as a really bad guy. Yeah. But it wasn't even him. Like, are most of your people killers or something? <laughs> <laughs> yes, okay. <laughs> all right. I thought you sent them all over to us. That <laughs> was years ago. <laughs> we got a whole new crop now. Uh, it's, uh, you grow on your own. Yeah. <laughs> Homegrown. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go back to gardening. Okay. Anyway. Uh, yeah, see, are you happy now, Matt? Yeah, happy? gardening. I, well, I really wanted to know until I saw someone in the crowd really. Just I'm go, please, no, no please. Let's not get into it. Let's Real not get bad. into it. All right, well, one night, uh, there's a serious storm over the moor. And Mary, she can't sleep. She hears the sound of that child crying again and the, the sound everyone else denies being heard. So against order, she decides to go and track it down herself. After a series of corridors, she finds it coming from a room and goes in to find a pale and very sickly-looking boy lying upon a massive four-poster bed. (laughs) The two children stare at each other in silence for ages. (laughs) They simply can't believe they're seeing the other one. They think that each, each thinks the other one might be a ghost. 
The boy reveals his name is Colin Craven, who is Master Craven's son. Is he, he ugly? Well, he's sickly, so yes. I'm assuming. And yes. Yeah. He is 10 years old and was born just before his mother died and the secret garden was shut forever. And now his father can't bear to look at him because Colin reminds him too much of his wife. Mm-hmm. The dad's also ashamed of how sickly his son looks. <laughs> his son is said to have a condition that may also result in his spine curving one day and many have speculated that he will die young. He's heard this his whole life, which doesn't really help his self-confidence. And neither does the fact that his dad has forbidden the servants to speak to him. (laughs) Yeah. Oops. He refuses to leave the manor house, this is uh, Colin, and spends all the time shut up in his room, throwing extreme tantrums when people even look at him. To try and calm him down, his father has ordered all the servants to do anything the boy wants, but this hasn't helped him to become well-adjusted. And now he's a tyrant who can snap at the drop of a hat. He's even more of a shit than Mary. (laughs) Mary, however, is allowed to look at him. Mainly because at first he thought she was a ghost. And he's like, you can't stop ghosts looking at you. (laughs) (laughs) True. True story. (laughs) You can't stop it. But since they got talking, they they get on really well. Mary tells him about the, the idea of the secret garden, but not that she knows where it is. And he is intrigued as she was. He threatens to force... This this is the different approach they have. He threatens to force the servants to tell him everything they know about the garden because they have to do everything he says. But Mary is worried that this will mean that she may lose access to it herself. So she distracts him and tells her that they must keep it a secret and that Mary will keep looking for him. They agree to keep their meeting a secret as well. Because, well, I mean, I say that, but then Mary tells her maid Martha that she's met Colin. It's like, (laughs) seriously, straight after... And Martha is very upset and is certain that she'll lose her job as she was one of her main jobs was to keep Mary away from Colin. Mm. But Mary tells her, relax, Colin won't let you get fired because everyone has to do what he says. And he's right about that. Colin starts summoning Mary to his room and they hang out a lot and make good friends. All of the other servants and Colin's doctor are shocked by the positive effect she seems to have on him. She seems to be the only one who has any positive effect on him whatsoever. This is because she entertains Colin, but is also the only one who doesn't take his shit and isn't afraid of him. Also the only one who's allowed to talk to him, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the only ghost, I suppose, as well. Whenever, <laughs> whenever he throws a tantrum about people looking at him or wallowing, wallowing about the fact that everyone expects him to die young, she's the only one to be like, shut up, idiot. <laughs> You're not going to die. Basically tells him to pull himself together. There's a, a bit of a conflict... To give your head a wobble. <laughs> Huh? <laughs> Thank you. Oh, a gentle round of applause. I love that. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. <laughs> There's a bit of a conflict of interest with Colin's doctor, who is also his uncle, who stands to inherit everything if Colin dies before right, him. No, yeah. So, yeah, that's not great, right? I you want a doctor. Yeah. I'm going to get tons of money if you're gone, kid. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, take these pills, yeah. <laughs> Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mary also distracts Colin from his gloomy self-pitying by entertaining him with stories of her friend, the great Dickon. (laughs) The idea of... The idea of We all love the Great Dickens. Yeah, the Great Dickens. We all love it. Was that funny a hundred years ago? Was that? The idea of a boy who talks to animals intrigues Colin and he looks forward to one day meeting Dickon. This is a big deal because he never looks forward to anything. And now he's looking forward to Dickon. It's it's great. (laughs) The doctor warns him not to forget that he is ill and that he must take it easy. 
which is, you know, the guy that's like, oh, I think that you're actually um, improving a little too much by hanging out with this friend Mary. Um, I need you to die. <laughs> so if you don't mind, die. <laughs> but Colin tells him that he likes Mary because she's the only one who makes him forget that he is sick. So Mary continues to spend time in the garden with Dickon, who introduces her to two of his friends, a tame fox named Captain... Who follows him around? <laughs> and a bird called Soot, who sits on his shoulder. So he really is a Doctor Doolittle type. Wow, okay. And uh, everyone loves this kid. He's also a wise young philosopher. He tells Mary that Colin spends too much time inside and that if we w- he were to spend time outside amongst the beauty of the secret garden then he'd be distracted by the nature and not just wallow and obsess over himself all the time. Mm. That's the wise, wise words of Dick in there. So they agree to invite Colin into the garden and Mary goes back to the house to tell him the good news. But when she gets there, she hears that Colin has thrown an epic tantrum after Mary took too long to see him that day. And Mary herself is not happy about that. She goes to see Colin and he tells her that he'll ban Dickon from being able to come to the manor if she continues to abandon him for (laughs) Dickon. I've heard that before. (laughs) (laughs) She cracks it and says, I'll never speak to you ever again. And she was about to tell him about the secret garden, but then, quote, this is from the book again, and I wonder if this is the uh, quote... Uh, tattooed on our suggester here. She would never tell him and he could stay in his room and never get any fresh air and die if he liked. (laughs) It would serve him right. (laughs) (laughs) It's so brutal. (laughs) And then there's a bit of yelling back and forth, Mary being the first person to ever stand up to Colin in his life. Then Mary goes back to her room and has another first of her own, which is reflection on someone else's feelings. She realises that when Colin is all alone, he starts spiralling about developing back conditions and eventually one day dying. So she decides that in the morning, I'll go back, I'll make up with him and I'll see him. That's growth, people. You getting that? (laughs) Growth like a flower in a garden. You getting this? (laughs) Huh? That night, Mary is awoken by the sound of Colin's screams and cries again. The adults run in to see her and ask her to speak to him because they're worried that he could hurt himself and Mary is the only one the kid might listen to. They're desperate. They're like, get the nine-year-old in. Get her in. (laughs) She'll save the day. So she runs in there and tells Colin that she hates him and that she hopes... (laughs) They didn't didn't coach her. They just sent her in. They're like, just go in there, freestyle, straight from the top of your dome, whatever you think. We know you got this. Yeah. You got this. <laughs> They're all like, fuck. <laughs> she says, uh, you know, I hate you and I hope you will scream yourself to death. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, is that the approach you would have taken? or? Yeah, well, sometimes you've got you to gotta think outside the box. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> you know, his whole life people have been yes-manning him or not speaking to him. And, yeah. um <laughs> Very similar things. Or maybe it's about time he had some home truths. Yeah, like I hope you scream yourself to, to death. death. <laughs> well, this gets Colin's attention, who is so shocked that he stops screaming and simply stares at her again. Mm. He tells her that he thinks his back is developing a hump and that he's dying. But she scoffs and demands to inspect the back herself. <laughs> Which she does, only to find absolutely no sign of a hump. Colin is shocked. Everyone has always told him how sick and frail he is. No one has ever actually inspected the body and said, nah, you're fine. (laughs) Remember, the doctor sucks. Sucks. And his arms are really short. He can't (laughs) can't feel back there. He's got T-Rex arms, you know. Surely you can just feel your own back, Colin. I'm doing it right now. Everyone try it for yourself. Have a go. Can you feel your back? No hump. Oh, there's a bit of a hump there, actually. Yeah. I've got horrible posture. (laughs) What a way to find out. I'll get Dickon in to look at my hump. Okay, (laughs) sorry. I'm sorry. (laughs) So he's like, oh, I don't have a hump. This is a transformative moment for the kid, and he grabs Mary's hand and agrees to go out and get some fresh air as long as Mary and Dickon come with him. 
So she tells Colin about the secret garden and he needs to keep it a secret. So he organises to go outside in his wheelchair, but he orders all the servants to stay away so they won't get busted going into the walled garden, which they do and they have a great time, uh, Dick and Colin and Mary, and they hang out in secrecy until one day Ben Weatherstaff, the old gardener, the Yorkshire man. Dave, just got a quick idea for a game. What are the three characters' names again? Oh, we've got Colin. Yep. Mary. Yep. Dickon. Dickon, Mary, Colin. It's like fuck, marry, kill. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Let's have a go. Get... So you, we need three people. Yeah. Well, I guess there's no better three than us on. <laughs> <laughs> I'd, ob- I'd obviously kill myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Colin myself. <laughs> <laughs> you got a Mary one and Dick in the other. <laughs> I'm dead now. <laughs> <laughs> That's your problem. <laughs> oh, damn, he's good. <laughs> Too much, I Too know. much yeah. dickin'. It is out. We walked someone in the front row. Sorry about that. <laughs> so they hang out in the garden in secrecy, having a great time playing around, until one day Ben Weatherstaff, who's the old gardener, the Yorkshire man, appears on a ladder over the wall of the secret garden and looking down at the kids in the garden, yells, you're not supposed to be here. And young Master Colin looks at Ben Weatherstaff and says, do you know who I am? And Ben Weatherstaff is shocked to see him and says, I, that I do, with the mother's eyes staring at me out of the face. (laughs) (laughs) Lord knows how the come here, but thou art the poor cripple. (laughs) And Colin's like, I'm not a poor cripple, and gets out of his wheelchair and with great effort stands up straight. Something he's never done in his life. This is another turning point for Colin, who before this couldn't stand or walk. But from now on, he decides that he will walk and run just like his two friends. And he starts a bit of an exercise regime. They literally have like, a, like a, some... They do reps with stuff in the garden. There's a montage. Now in the movie, there's a montage of him. He's, like, he's on the rowing machine. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Dave, I've got a, a local word for poor or broke. Brassic. Oh. So that kid is brassic. And a cripple. <laughs> Not my words. Yeah, right. That's the words of Ben Weatherstaff. But yeah, he exercises a lot. Before long, he builds up his strength and he's running and walking faster and faster. He thinks he's getting better through magic, the same magic scene in the garden all around them because they've planted a bunch of stuff and the garden's coming back to life. And he decides, this is Colin, to dedicate his life to the study of the science of magic and one day he will become a lecturer. What? They study magic to become a lecturer. Oh, no, and he's going to tell everyone about the magic Gotcha. in his lectures. It's good to have dreams. (laughs) The magic is, I was lied to. Uh, (laughs) People lied to me my whole life and I was fine. Imagine studying magic to not be a magician. (laughs) No. Surely that's the end game. (laughs) I know magic now. Can't wait to tell people about it. (laughs) I prefer to tell than show. I could make this disappear, but I won't. (laughs) He also decides to keep the improvements in his health and mobility a secret from all the grown-ups at the manor so that it will be a real surprise when his father returns home. He's like, that way Dad will love me. That's his theory. So he has to put on an Academy Award-worthy performance with the servants about how he's still sick and has to fake a few tantrums. But he nearly gives the game away a few times when him and Mary giggle about lying. He's like, I hate it here, and starts laughing. (laughs) Over the next few weeks, he gets stronger and stronger and declares, I shall live forever and ever and ever. (laughs) And he's still alive, bring him out! (laughs) Both Colin and Mary have made huge transformations in their behaviour, but more importantly, in this book, they look way hotter as well. <laughs> it talks about how they're like, you know, they've got plumper faces and they've got more hair and they're not so pale now and things like that. I love the idea of it was a movie and we could cast it, the idea of him like getting stronger and stronger. So it's like a, like a, two days later, it's like Arnold Schwarzenegger <laughs> yeah. and they're just trying to act yeah. all sickly. Yeah, to cover it up. <laughs> yeah, they must have done that. And then, oh, I'm fine. 
In the final chapter, we cut to Mr. Craven, who has been absent on holiday in Europe, as he often is. But one night, when staying on Lake Como, he dreams of his wife, who calls his name and asks him to come and find her in the garden. The next morning, he receives a letter from Susan Sowerby, who is Dickon and Martha the nurse's mother, the mother of 12. She has seen Colin and his improvement and in the letter implores Mr. Craven to return home to see his son as his wife would want him to. But she doesn't say why. Still affected by the dream, the usually gloomy and broken-hearted man decides to take her advice and head home at once. He begins to think about how he has neglected his son for a decade but decides he will no longer do this. And when he gets home, he goes out to the secret garden and he thinks... No one's been in there for 10 whole years, but he hears laughter coming from inside and he's freaked out. And he's amazed to see the door swing open and a young boy run out straight into his arms. He can't quite believe it. It's his son, Colin, who when he left had been bedridden. He's also amazed by the rejuvenated secret garden and gets a tour from the kids. And as a group, they all decide to return back to the manor and remember all of the servants and staff have no idea that Colin is no longer bound to his wheelchair they also haven't seen their master smile in about a decade. And the final line of the secret garden is, across the lawn came the master of Misselthwaite, and he looked as many of them had never seen him. And by his side, with his head up in the air and his eyes full of laughter, walked as strongly and steadily as any boy in Yorkshire, Master Colin. The end. The secret garden. So that's it. How do, you, how, do you, how do you both feel about the book? I, f- I feel like, well, what happened to Dickon? And I feel like there are a yeah. lot of, I don't know. Dickon was a real tease, wasn't he? He was just, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He was just like, hey, I'm great. I'm a great guy. What's up? He was like, just to push things. I guess it was good they had a dose of such a positive, lovely mm. male figure in yes, their life. Yes, I think that was nice. That was but I, wa- <laughs> I want to hear about the Dickon book, really. I mean, this, is a, this was a grim tale. Nice finish, sure. Yeah, but it was sad. For there was a fair part in the middle where I'm like, I was going, maybe I should ask Alison about those murders again. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but to bring a bit of light. <laughs> yeah. I mean, wow. No, but I thought I thought it, it tied all together nicely. You like how it all came around. Garden was nice. I'm picturing a nice garden. Probably got some of those orchids. Orchids. In yeah, there. yeah, man. <laughs> Which yeah. are different from orchards. Yeah, yeah. Orchards are apples, pears, larger. Yep. Yep. See? I know a bit. Go on. <laughs> They're not as impressed as they should be. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I, I get it now. I mean, they're the flowers, right? They were the flowers that were given the right amount of love and attention. They blossomed into... Mm, beautiful things. But they talked about him at the end, but what happened to Mary? It had nothing to do with Mary at the end. Mary was like the... And then all of a sudden, it was, was she just there to get... Colin out of the bed? Was yeah, that we the? Did not, we're not sure. I think that she's made a bit of improvement too, but we... I thought they were going to fall in love. Did anyone else think they were going to fall in love? I thought Colin and Mary then were like, oh, we're sickly gross children. I love you. You're like, I thought that's... <laughs> well, we could write our own fan fiction here today. <laughs> I mean, they were cousins, so that's hot. <laughs> but the, b- back in the day, that was very appropriate. Yeah, you're right. That was very you're appropriate. Right, exactly. Yeah, You're yeah. right, with old rich families, absolutely. <laughs> well, the only thing left to do is we always sco- give it a score out of five, as you've heard it here today, for The Secret Garden, whether you loved it or didn't like it, or maybe felt very mediocre about it. Matt, do you have a, a score in your mind out of five? Um, yeah, you know, for what it is, like, it's not a... I don't think it's meant to be that good, right? So for... <laughs> For, for in that genre, I thought it was pretty good for what is a, like a boring, like it's made to be. Yeah, yeah. So I'd say like a three point two. Okay. Oh, it's quite, that's quite I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a positive guy. You are positive, yeah. So even if I hate it, you'll still give it. I'll still give it a, a pass. Yeah. I thought you know it's hard to write a book. I've never it done is it. Hard to, <laughs> yeah. So I so I feel like a real asshole for shitting. This woman wrote a whole book. That's at least two and a half. Okay, and so but if we, if we took that away, it's only a point seven. <laughs> I liked how she called the kids ugly a lot. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah. That is fun. It's they like, don't do that as much anymore, no. right? 
Okay, a 3.2. Alison, how do you feel about well, it? Well, I was going to go, my instinct said three because, yeah, a little long, a little long-winded, kind of boring. I, I want to know what that, happened to Mary. That was Dave's telling, though, really, wasn't but, it? <laughs> no. But again, I was like, I bet it was beautifully written. Um, I bet, you know, there's a lot of really nice words Yeah, like in the ug- book ugly, that were chosen. Yeah. Ugly, horrific children. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I'm going to go uh, three. I think it's a nice tale. I think the idea of, like, once we find what we need, we blossom into who we are meant to become. That is a that is a story that should be shared. Um, but we could have pepped it up a bit, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, I think she sure. could have. But So I'm going to say three. I give it a three. Give three it a three. Five. Okay, yeah. now the audience. I'm going to give it a three and a half. Ooh. That's, that's, and that's you actually got. read it. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> and you're thinking children's book. That's, you know, what's that? How long is that? It's like 300 pages. It's still... I put the effort in, okay? Um, I'm going to give you uh, a chance to score it yourselves now uh, via applause. So we usually start with... Give me a round of applause if you think it was worthy of a one out of five. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Thank you so much. Uh, Two out of five. Okay, three out of five. I think that's got it so far. 3.2. Four out of five, anyone? Appreciate you. Thank you. Five? <laughs> I can see someone clapping, but I can't even hear it. <laughs> Thank you. A Thank shame you. clap. All right. I'm going to mark that down on my, uh, my spreadsheet as the audience gave it a three out of five. So that, that's it for the, the secret garden. Um, before we go, Matt and Alison, you both have podcasts that people can listen to and things coming up maybe that you'd like to tell people at home about? Yeah, yeah. Um... Uh, I, I'm sorry, I'm still thinking about, can, can we tell them the book you were going to do? The, oh, the one yeah, you looked sorry. at? <laughs> it's very different. So we had two choices, Mancunian and yeah, Bass right. Rider. What was the one you were maybe going to do? Uh, so the other Manchester Rider is uh, uh, Anthony Burgess and a Clockwork Orange. Very different tale. <laughs> very different tale. Right, everyone? Yeah. yeah, I, got yeah. A, uh, I got 20 pages in and went, this isn't, a I li- can't. This isn't good for a live crowd. Yeah. You would have been asking me to talk about the more murders. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. 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 Really good. It was a bit too much for a live one. (laughs) So I went with something very very easy on the audience. Yeah. Sorry, I just needed to know that. I I will get to a clock orange another time. (laughs) All right. Oh, (laughs) some violence fans. All right. uh, uh, Don't feel disappointed. Don't feel disappointed. Yeah. Uh, Okay, so uh, I do a a podcast uh, with two other very funny uh, women, Jen Brister and Maureen Younger. It is called WTB, Women Talking Bollocks. Uh, yeah, like and uh, we—it's like we got a bunch of different sections. I uh, have an advice column which I really love. I get to be an agony aunt, so if you have any problems, please listen and write in. And then I also talk about horror movies because that's my passion. Yeah, hey, fantastic! Yeah, yeah. Well, let's give it up for Alison June Smith. Hey, yeah, thank you. Thanks, everyone. And Matt. Uh, yeah, I do. I do lots of podcasts, really. I do uh, one with Dave called Do Go On, where we talk about a... You? I, can, I never really know how to explain it, but it's like uh, we tell a story from history. It's kind of like this show, only it's about a real thing, not some story about... Imagine if that was a real thing that happened. No one's telling that story. <laughs> a couple of sick kids went into a garden for a while. Um, and then blossomed. What are some of the topics we've done lately on Do Go On? I know this week's one's about the Night Witches. Oh, of World War II. Has that come out yet? Yeah. That, no. Okay. Oh, yeah. That's coming out in a few days. But by the time this comes out, it will absolutely be well. Yeah. It's about yeah. these Russian badass bomber pilots. It was sick. Such a great story. Um, and I do a show called Who Knew It With Matt Stewart. It's like a comedy quiz show. Uh, yeah, a couple of people here like it. It's fun. Dave's been on a bunch. Listen, if you want to. Fantastic. No, no pressure. Let's give it up for Matt Stewart. <laughs> hey, thank you so much for coming out and being uh, part of the uh, Book Cheat podcast. Really appreciate you being here. And thank you so much to the Frog and Bucket Comedy Club in Manchester. What a fantastic venue. We really appreciate... Uh, yes, yes. It's awesome. It's awesome. We love it. Because oh. yeah, Colin's been looking after us as well. I couldn't help but I'm picturing young Colin that whole time. <laughs> <laughs> he just goes, cheers. <laughs> Big round of applause for Colin on, on Tech Tonight. Thanks Yay! so much, Colin. Appreciate you. 
Uh, I'll be back soon with another book, but until then, I always say books forever. So if you could join in with me on the count of three. One, two, three. Books, books forever! forever! Yeah, thanks everyone. Bye-bye. <laughs> Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.